Merry Christmas, Creepas. How's everybody doing? Merry Christmas, everybody. Yep, I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. As you guys know. And we wanted to give you guys a little treat, a little a present from us to you for Christmas this year. Um, we wanted to give you a bonus episode that you can only find on Sandu's Patreon page, Sandu Stories. That's right. Michael, tell us a little bit about this beautiful piece of art that you made here. Yes, this is Sandu Stories Chapter 10, and it's based on the Flannan Lighthouse incident. Uh, where three keepers mysteriously disappeared. And if you don't know what we do on Sandu Stories, basically we take a real-life event and we write a fictional, almost like a fan fiction-style audio play about that. And in this one, uh, stars myself, Lorne, and uh, my friend Andy, who is also involved in Strange Shorts on Sandu Podcast. And all this is on patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, but this is Chapter 10 installment of Sandu Stories, and we thought, you know, what the hell? We're not taking any weeks off, but we still wanted to do something special for you guys on the holidays, so we thought we would drop this and give you guys a little taste of uh, the future of True Crime Guys Productions and uh, what we're capable of, I guess, you know? Just kind of show off the goods. You know how we like to do That's every right. now and then. Uh, we're feeling very giving this holiday season. Apparently. And we're also doing uh, a freeloader episode this week, so expect that on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I know this upcoming week is a very slow week for podcasting. It's brutal. If you're working... Uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve, I've yes. known from the past that it's just brutal. There's no no new content. Everybody's on Christmas break. Um, so that with that in mind, we thought for sure we would still record a normal episode. We're going to do video game uh, murders part two, part yes. two. Um, so there's plenty more to be covered. We found several good ones, so we're going to cover that. Uh, that'll be out Wednesday to give you guys something to entertain you for those of you that still have to work um, through the holidays. So look forward to that and enjoy this. Um, we worked very hard on this and we hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. It's Sandra's stories. Turn up your volume for me. I try to keep it happy when the details get gory, but sometimes I don't. And the shit gets real. But we know that's how you like it, cause the way it makes you feel. Sandu stories. Face no truth, but some things are exaggerated. Sandu stories. Been waiting on you, and we're so glad you made it. Sandu stories. Face no truth, but some things are exaggerated. Sandu stories. Been waiting on you. happened at Blennon's Lighthouse. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as was, no response was made. Managed to land more, but went up to the station, but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. 
Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left Maw, McDonald, and Boymaster, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. Will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Muirhead in case you are not at home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until closes, if you wish to wire me. The lighthouse seemed to appear out of nowhere on the blue horizon. I had been staring at that line where the sky meets the sea, when all of a sudden, there it was. I had heard whispers of the almost mystical island with only the lighthouse and Sheba's residence. That was the way the gods intended it, or at least the lesser gods who keep that island. My wife's voice echoed in my head. She was never fond of the idea. The usual lighthouse wiki had caught a fever just two days before he was to report back to the docks for his 28-day shift on the island. That was how it worked. Six men in total, with three staying on the island at all times, rotating one at a time. But it was day three and his fever hadn't broken. So I met with a ferry captain and second assistant keeper, Thomas Marshall, at the docks that morning. This your first time? This'll be my second. I filled in last year for Logan, but only for a week of his shift. He came in with the supplies and relieved me. This'll be my first full stay, if old Ross don't get better soon. Jackson Ross was the name of the gentleman who caught fever, and whose place I'd be taking. Ah, uh, I think he's faking it anyways. Hired to leave a warm bed and a body for the cold sea. And that new wife of his, oh, she don't make it easy, do she? You met her. Southern girl, real pretty. Yeah, I met her at the wedding in June. Haven't seen either of them since, though. This shitty weather keeps us all wanting for our beds. <laughs> Besides, I can use the money. There's not much work left in town, and I'll take what I can get. Though it didn't look it, this lighthouse was just built the previous year, in 1899. And this was the first winter keepers would be living on the island. That room there's for Ross, or it would be if he was here. I guess that makes it yours. Marshall informed me as he continued down the hallway, stopping in front of the last and final door. And this here be mine's, and if, uh, if you'll excuse me. He disappeared into the small room. There were three doors on the hall, all on the same side. Mine was in the middle, Marshall's was being the furthest away, and the first door had been shut since we entered, so I assumed it was the captain's. I gotta admit, the room didn't make me all warm and fuzzy inside. It was just white, 10 by 10, with a single small round window. Beneath the window, there was a metal cot, with what apparently passes as a mattress on it, but hardly a straw mat. It was a small nightstand by the bed and a half-burned candle. A single chair and a small table were on the wall opposite the bed, holding a single oil lamp. I stepped in the door and threw my suitcase on the bed and disrupted a layer of salt and dust that about made me choke. Looking around, I couldn't help but be filled with a sense of dread. It was so cold and exposed. The salty, chilling air came drifting off the ocean and slipped through every crack of the structure. 
even Brand knew it was no match for the sea. It had only been two weeks on the island, the last time I was here, and it was in the middle of summer at that. Then the misty breeze was a welcome relief to the summer heat, but now it bit at your skin like a colony of ants. Ahem. The captain startled me and I jumped back. I thought I saw a smile crack his face. Oh, scary easy, do ya? Not good. He was a leathery-faced old man. The thin white wisp of hair was combed to one side, with a matching white mustache that stuck out past his ears. He was wearing a long black wool cloak, with a silver chain hanging by his hip. I didn't even have the time to respond when he carried on. Marshal has the first watch. Then you. You take over at ten. I'll come relieve you at 2 a.m. for the final watch. There are three rules in this house. The house may never be empty. God sees all, and most importantly, the lighthouse must never go out. Oh yes, the rules. I had seen the same words printed on the front door. They were framed in glass like a photo. And then again, permanently on the wall in the common room. Then one more time for good measure in my room, on the wall by the door. Yes sir, 10 to 2, got it. I was here once before sir, and was permanent at the McClellan Lighthouse, well up until it was replaced. Me along with it. <laughs> but I know the procedures. I won't be a problem, and I can handle my own. He snickered, turning to leave, pulling his pipe from his breast pocket and lifting it towards me as if to say, Cheers. And with that, he was gone. Wow. Warm welcome, I thought turning back towards the bed. I really did like being a wiki, and I enjoyed my time at my other lighthouse. That old McClellan. The little lighthouse was much different than this monstrous tower. First of all, it was not on an island, but instead it sat protecting an inland bay. It was an ideal job until last year when it had been shut down and a big automated light was built further up the bay. Ah, uh, don't worry about... I will start it again, but this time by the marshal, as he was sent to a laughing fit. It caused his large stomach to bounce as he threw his head back. Oh, oh man, this is gonna be fun. I was gonna say, don't worry about him. He gets all excited when we have company. He takes some warming up, too. Oh, and he's a hell of a cook. When he's here, he cooks some hot stew with whatever the mainland sends up. Beef, pork, vegetables. Whatever they manage to spare, he can turn it into a delicious soup. Guaranteed. Ah, he's no mind. I met his type. Married to the sea. Tragic backstory and probably some kind of military background or something along those lines. The strong, silent type. He's probably got some kind of sea monster story too, right? I'm sure it's wicked scary. But the marshal wasn't laughing. His face became stone and serious. Don't even joke like that, lad. He snapped at me. Captain hears you saying things like that. It'll make it rough for you to stay, okay? Now just don't, alright? He turned to walk away and spun back and cracked the corner of his mouth as if to say something. But I guess he thought better of it. Because then he turned and left. The rest of the night was uneventful. Marshall stayed an hour past his watch to make sure we ran through all the workings of the light he talked my damn head off. Nevertheless, the view from the top was spectacular. On a clear, calm night, the sea mirrored the sky, and there was no ending to either of them. 
When the clouds rolled in and covered the island, the view became one of being inside a storm cloud. The air was wet, but kind. It was rainwater, not salt water. The only time I hated being in the tower was during the storm. Of course, not only did you have the risk of being struck by lightning, but in the wind, the tower would sway back and forth. The water smashing against the high island wall so hard it sent the water hundreds of feet into the air, swallowing the tower. That was the worst view. For just one second, you saw what it was like to be at the mercy of the sea, and it twisted my gut every single time. The next week passed fairly easily. Days were passing quickly, and by the end of the second week, I began to feel a mix of relief and dread. I was probably going to leave the island with the supply boat this week. Old Ross surely would have been better by now and would have been sent with this week's groceries. But when I awoke on Tuesday morning, Marshall informed me that the ship had come and went with supplies, but no relief keeper. Inside the box they sent was a small folder with an itemized list of supplies and all of the paperwork, which was the Cod's department. Captain. He picked out the folder and began shuffling through the paper silently, which is how he did almost everything. I'd come to that realization fairly quickly. MacArthur, it says you should stay a while longer. Ross is still ill and now his new wife has taken a fever also. It says there's no relief in two weeks at Christmas and you're to stay until the new year when Ross's normal relief arrives. My stomach dropped and so did the bag I'd been carrying on my shoulder. What do you mean? I done the two weeks I signed up for. I gotta go back. My wife is expecting me back. That's the way of the wiki, lad. You do as the she commands. She don't care about no work contract. She don't care about no other commitments. She does her work without paying you no mind. So you best do yours. I had been so looking forward to going home. And was so sure Ross would be on that boat. I had not stopped to think what it would mean if he wasn't... It was by far the worst pep talk I had ever heard. But I knew it was the final say. Even if I wanted to leave, there was not land for miles, nor boat. There were dangerous and rocky waters that would kill me of hypothermia before I could reach another shore. Like it or not, I was stuck here. Or was I? I walked through the chapel on the island for the first time that night. It was a dilapidated pile of rubble now, and, and no one had prayed in it in ages. It had been built upon the discovery of the island, and named after St. Flannan. As I stared at this pile of rocks, I could hear footsteps approaching from behind. You have to get on your knees and do a rotation. Clockwise, and best to do it while you got your rosary. If you know a prayer or two, wouldn't hurt to say them now. It's your best odds of staying safe on this rock is to appease the sea gods. Marshall had filled me in on this odd ritual when we first arrived. I had waited on him for 45 minutes to get all the way around. I thought he looked like a fool, but I kept my thoughts to myself. Who was I to tell a seaman his superstitions were stupid? I ain't crawling on the ground for no damn body. I snapped and turned to excuse myself. I brooded alone for the rest of the day. In fact, very few words were spoken over the next week. The first four, or was it five, days on the island, I had found Marshall to be a chattering idiot who I feared would never stop telling me old stories or asking me far too personal questions. I had hoped for the silence, 
I begged for it some days. But now it haunted and mocked me. It was in every corner and it, and it even seemed to be inside of me holding my tongue hostage. Other than the sound of the sea, it was quiet now. Deathly quiet. A week had now passed since the ship had come and gone. One more week, I told myself. Just one more. The days were sinking into each other. Though I kept a tally on my wall with a small piece of charcoal, I, I couldn't really tell them apart. The weather these days also seemed especially gloomy. As if the gods wanted to mock my mood, it rained all the time, the waves keeping us inside the tower for days. A film grew over my eyes from all the moisture in the air. I was always cold and wet. Nowhere was it dry. I wanted to go home. I wanted my bed, my wife, and my children around me. I wanted food that wasn't soup. Hell, I'd kill for dry socks. The nights were the worst. The wind screamed relentlessly. I hadn't slept in days. We just lingered about like driftwood waiting for death. Dugat had told me three nights ago. Or was it two? I don't know, but he told me that he had never seen winds this rough before. He had never seen a storm this bad in all his years at the sea. He sat quiet now with his pipe dangling from the side of his cracked lips. We'd been out of tobacco for a week now, or was it two? And the food would be cutting it close. We had enough for four more days until the boat came. Or is it five? I gotta pull it together. The log says it's December 14th. The storm has still not stopped. We have seen no signs of a boat. We keep the light on and sit quietly most of the time. Our chores attended to as the weather allows, but we mostly sit in silence. That night, the winds grew even angrier. The tower swayed so much we could stand at the bottom of the stairs and watch the light tilt from left to right. It was damn near hypnotizing. We had a few scuffles over the last week. A month? I don't know. Marshall keeps telling me to go out to the chapel, to beg for forgiveness and let the waves decide my fate. Spare him and the captain because they didn't do anything wrong, of course. This was my fight and I needed to make it right before the sea swallowed us all. Marshall's logic. I was so pissed at him. Ducat stepped in and he and Marshall screamed back and forth about who was at fault and how this arguing wasn't helping anything. And they screamed until they both cried. Embraced and apologized profusely. It was so bizarre. Marshall said it was the gin talking, and part of me believed him. And part of me wanted to get on my knees in the morning and crawl around that pile of stone and pray if it meant going home. I would crawl until my kneecaps were damn bloody. Ah, uh, take no offense, and pay him no mind. It's the sea that's got him mad. And before I could stop it, the words rolled out sarcastically. Probably a Kelpie or one of those merfolk crazy fishermen are always rambling about. You hush your mouth, boy! The captain's face snapped. And in an instant, he seemed consumed by shadows that appeared with no lights. The darkness grew large in the room. He was stifling. It's one thing for you to come down here and mock our customs while patronizing us for our beliefs. It's another for you to spit on it entirely. So you'll be shutting your mouth from here on out about things you don't know. Do you hear me, lad? As he was speaking, I flew through shock, fear, and then I'd had enough. I flew into a downright rage. 
It was the way he kept calling me lad. I had been here almost six weeks now. Or was it seven? But that was a full shift. So as far as I was concerned, I was due just as much respect as any other keeper. I ain't a goddamn lad. And I will damn well speak as I please. With all due respect, Captain. I mockingly tipped my hat to him and turned to head to my room. Just then I heard behind me. Hey, lad. My face contacted Descartes' fist before I could even turn around. It sent pain up through my jaw and my skull throbbed. I stumbled back but stayed on my feet, throwing out my hands to catch the wall. I brought my center back just in time for Descartes to shove a fist into the better part of my abdomen. It stole my breath, but I recoiled and pushed back against Descartes. Tumbling to the floor on top of him, as we rolled on the floor, Marshall was cheering and yelling profanities. A lot of help he was, but I heard none of it. I had been on this island for a month now. Regardless, everything was pent up inside of me. Every feeling, lust, sadness, joy, jealousy, but mostly rage. The rage inside of me seemed to grow with the rage of the sea on the outside. And as the water beat harder and harder against the iron tower, I beat the cot's head harder and harder against the stone floor. Until finally a dark red pool creeped from the back of his skull and stained the floor. The sight of the deep color made me snap out of a hypnotic rage. It was as if I had intended the whole time to kill him, hypnotized in the murder. But at the final moment of impact, the sea had released me, just in time to see his blood paint the floor. The silence was back. Marshall hadn't realized my mistake yet. I stopped and looked up at him. I dropped the captain's head, which was still between my hands, and stood up. My hands dripping red. Marshall froze. We stood there for minutes. It wasn't ours. And then he started walking towards me. I was still standing over the captain, his blood pooling by my feet. As Marshall came around the table and saw for himself. His hands went up to his mouth to silence a scream that never came. He dropped to his knees and began to mumble a prayer. Rocking back and forth. I didn't know what to say. It was an accident. He hit me first. I was just trying to... I had no words. I killed him. And that was the truth of it. I was just... I put my hands together. And I tried to take a step in Marshall's direction. He was crying. He buried his face between his hands on the floor. Between his bent knees. I drew back. I didn't mean to frighten him. Marshall, albeit annoying, was never someone I ever thought I wanted to hurt. No, no. Please. He was crawling backwards on his knees, please. repeating himself. Please, no. I stood no, there silently please. and watched him. I didn't know what to say. Please. Nothing would change how he saw me. Please. But we had to get along. No. It was just the two of us now. Or was it? Was it three? No. <laughs> no. I gotta bury him, I was finally able to say, but by that time Marshall had backed all the way out the door on his knees. It was raining outside and he had left the door wide open. I could see him now, on his knees, crawling towards the chapel. 
I turn back and look at the lifeless captain still laying on the floor. I needed to deal with Marshall first. I found him crawling in circles at the chapel, mumbling prayers. I grabbed his raincoat as I was going out the door. He would surely die of pneumonia if he didn't put something on. Hey! You need this! I said after watching him go around ten times. He got up slowly and walked over to me, grabbing the coat and throwing it over his shoulders. I saw the same look in his eyes. I saw the film drop away and the sea releasing. He started to shiver as if he was feeling the cold for the first time. The captain, where is he, lad? He asked, without raising his eyes to me. Don't worry. <laughs> He's keeping watch. The house can't never be empty, right? <laughs> yeah. His eyes were shifty and he, he dropped back to his knees and started around the chapel again. Man, come on, get up. You know you hated that grumpy old man, too. If anything, I did us a favor. We can live the next week, at least. We can live in peace now. No more barking orders, no more rules. No more glooming all alone in the corner. No more of his nasty soup. I haven't had a solid shit in a goddamn month. No matter what, no more of him is good. I'm telling you. Now get up. I grabbed him and he pulled away from me. But I grabbed him again before his arm could reach the ground and this time I grabbed his other arm and tried to force him to his feet. But he pulled back and ran. I ran after him. I was getting angry. Stay away. He was headed back across the small barren rock to the only other structure he could. Back to the tower. I chased him, knocking him down before he could reach the gate. He fell hard. He was a big man after all. Not fat or out of shape even, but nowhere near as young and healthy as I was. He stood no chance. I was taken over again. The film returned to my eyes. Grabbed and I clawed until I was on top of him. Just like before. Straddling his large chest, he was larger than the captain but still on match. He screamed and pleaded with me, but I heard nothing. I was filled with rage that matched the pounding of the waves around us. Lightning flashed somewhere off to my right, but it didn't. It did no good to take my eyes off of what was in front of them right now. My gaze was fixed. I was staring at a gray mirror reflection of my own eyes. Marshall's eyes had glossed over. But this time it was not to see that taken over. But death. I felt his very life escape through my fingers. put Marshall in the chapel, leaned him against the back wall so he was looking out west over the sea. Now he could see anything that came in before anyone else. I stepped back and adjusted his head just, just right, and fixed his milky gaze on the horizon. Remember, God sees all, Marshall. I walked back to the lighthouse, and I climbed the spiral stairs. And I walked out onto that balcony. I'll wait here, I thought. It's only another three days till the next relief. Regardless, I'll wait here. And I'll tend to the light. <laughs> it's only another week. Was it Either way. <laughs> Remember the rules. The light must never go out. <laughs>
the light. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry, Captain. <laughs> Good one, lad. Alright guys, well we hope you enjoyed that special Sandu Stories, and of course if you did enjoy this content, there's a lot more where that came from at patreon.com slash snupodcast, and the links to everything True Crime Guys, as always, are right below this episode description. So guys, we'll see you on Wednesday, right Lauren? For That's another right. freebie? That's right. Merry Christmas everybody. See you Wednesday. Right. Keep, Keep creeping. creeping. You hush your mouth, boy. <laughs>